Welcome back everyone to the Six Figure Social Worker Podcast. This is episode number 19. I am excited. I'm your girl LA, your Six Figure Social Worker, and I want to thank you for tuning in. Last week's episode, I really just wanted to come on last week to encourage you to hang in there, to stay in the race. So as you know, this podcast is designed to teach you how to make a living while you're making a difference. But I need you guys to understand this. I need you to prepare yourself for the journey that lies ahead. Now, here I am seated in a position where I'm able to hire other individuals, able to supervise master level social workers into obtaining their independent license. Now, look, I was not always there. I mean, I had a supervisor who showed me the ropes, who trained me and taught me and someone that I was able to go to for advice. I had to endure Um, jobs where I wasn't appreciated. I had to endure jobs where I didn't get paid my worth. I had to endure all that. And the thing that helped me kept, that helped me to keep pressing was my unwavering belief that I was built for this. You hear me? My unwavering belief that I was built for this. Like this is the exact reason I was called to this thing called life. Being a social worker. Absolutely. My drive to help other people recognize their full potential and recognize that change is possible no matter who supports you or not. That right there helped me endure some undeserving circumstances and attitudes and behaviors. I kept pressing. I kept pressing when I had individuals over me who didn't see my value. I kept pressing when I had individuals over me who didn't see my worth. I kept pressing when I had individuals over me who was trying to make my job and my life difficult. I kept pressing because I kept the main thing, the main thing. What do I mean by that? The main thing was I was at the job not because I wanted friends. No, that's not why I went through five years of education to get my master's degree. That's not why I went and took my my LSW exam. That's not why I did all that because I wanted to be a voice to the voiceless. I wanted to be one who would advocate for those who have experienced injustice. I wanted to make sure that I was the picture of change, that people will understand that change was possible. And so when I found myself in a position or at a place of employment where they didn't value me, I made sure I did not allow their opinion of me, as long as they cut me my check, to stop me or cause me to forget why I got in the field of social work. See, some of you are allowing individuals who may not even be in the field of social work. And most of individuals that are managers or directors of agencies are not in the field of social work. So you're expecting someone to understand who you are who don't understand who you are. And you're allowing other individuals to cause you to forget why you went to school and got the education in the first place. And let me say this to you, dear sir, ma'am, let me say this to you. 
no matter how other people view you, no matter how they treat you, always remember this. You did not get your degree out of the bubblegum machine. You hear that? You did not get your degree off of Amazon.com. You did not get your degree out the library somewhere. You literally stayed up late. You got up early. You went through the various seasons that you had to go through. Not just seasonal seasons, you know, winter, spring, summer, fall, but seasons of death, loss, divorce, breakups, those seasons as well, in order to obtain your degree. Don't you dare, hear me, beloved, don't you dare allow others to cause you to forget what it took for you to get to where you are right now. That's the value of being a social worker because most of the individuals that we will work with will be individuals that life have told them a lie. Life told them that they don't deserve to be successful. Life told them that because of generational curses and background situations that they will not ever reach their goal. You and I, as social workers, as one who has pressed through abuse and misuse, you're now in a position where you're able to help someone else. Don't allow your feeling of being unappreciated to cause you to forget why you got in this in the first place. You got it? So listen, today I wanted to really just prepare you I wanted to go over some of the questions. Many of you are getting ready to take and sit for the examination. Many of you are in a place where you're studying and preparing. And look, I want you to hear this. I studied and I prepared twice before I actually passed. I passed the third time. The first time, I mean, I'm studying. I got all my books all out and everything and I missed the the first time by like three points I'm thinking it must have been a fluke so I had to wait the 90 days and I set up again and guess what that time I think I missed it by seven so by more points the second time than I did the first time and needless to say I was very discouraged but I knew that passing that exam was going to be the catalyst to getting me to the next level in this field of social work. So what I did, I had to literally go to what I call a boot camp to figure out how the questions were being asked because I thought they were trick questions, but they weren't trick questions. They were questions designed to make sure we were ready to juggle people's lives in our hands. And so that's today, beloved, is what I really want to share with you. And so um, as, as a master level, the examination content, 18% of the content is on human development and behavior. And that's what I want to go over today. And so I'm going to share some of the questions. I want you guys to think about it. And then think about which one is right. 
like when I read the question, I want you to kind of think about some of the um, answers without me actually going over the answer, okay? So I want you to prepare your mind. You may be driving, you may be, you know, at the gym. I'm not sure where you're listening to this podcast at, but I really want you to just kind of prepare your mind. And when you're in a quiet place, I want you to listen to this recording over, okay? And so remember, if you're taking and seating for a master's level, the master's level examination, 18% is on human development and behavior, and 22% is on direct and indirect practice. But today I want to focus on the human behavior, um, human development and behavior in the environment. All right. So the first one, the question says, a woman who recently separated from her boyfriend of eight years develops the same feelings for another man very soon thereafter. This woman is most likely utilizing which of the following defense mechanisms? You hear that? This woman is most likely utilizing which of the following defense mechanisms? So now you know we're talking about defense mechanisms. So in your mind, you got to go back to start thinking about the defense mechanisms that you learned in school and based on the question, a woman who recently separated from her boyfriend of eight years, develops the same feelings for another man very soon thereafter. This woman is most likely utilizing which of the following defense mechanisms. The first one is inversion. The second is projection. The third is displacement. And the fourth is substitution. Now listen, if any of those popped up in your mind when I first read the question, if you in your mind said, oh, that's projection or that's displacement, that's how you want to do that. When you're studying, you want to read it and then you want to wait. Don't even look at the options. You want to think in your mind, which one, what do you remember from school? So the correct answer is C, displacement, displacement. So here you have a woman who um, recently separated from her boyfriend of eight years and she develops the same feelings for another man very soon thereafter. She develops the same feelings, y'all. So you see that keyword? She develops the same feelings. So it has to be displacement. So if you did not get that right, you want to make sure you go back and study the defense mechanisms. So that way you understand the difference between those. And so we say displacement. So displacement is literally shifting repressed feelings from where they originated to some other object, from where they originated. You see, the question says a woman who recently separated from her boyfriend It's giving you this information. When you're reading the question, don't go and start pulling things into the question that's not there. Simply read the question. Don't go thinking about your girlfriend. Don't go thinking about, you know, your past or whatever, right? It says a woman who recently separated from her boyfriend of eight years develops the same feelings for another man very soon thereafter. 
You see that? Or you hear that? The woman is most likely utilizing. Listen to the other. It says the woman is most likely utilizing which of the following defense mechanisms. So you know you got to go to defense mechanisms and remember, recall those defense mechanisms. So the correct answer is displacement. Now, look at projection. So projection is attributing a painful thought or idea to another person. So you have to be able to understand the the difference between displacement and projection because projection is attributing a painful thought or idea to another person. Displacement is literally shifting repressed feelings from where they originated to some other object. Okay. All right. Here's the second question. Remember, as I read the question, I want you already to be thinking what the answer could potentially be before I actually go over the the, um, possibilities. Okay. So second question, a woman who recently separated from her boyfriend of eight years is very sad, but instead of acting sad, acts extremely angry. This woman is most likely utilizing which of the following defense mechanisms? I'm going to read it again. A woman who recently separated from her boyfriend of eight years is very sad, but instead of acting sad, acts extremely angry. This woman is most likely utilizing which of the following defense mechanisms? Number one, denial. Number two, substitution. Number three, reaction, formation. Number four, dissociation. A woman who recently separated from her boyfriend of eight years is very sad, but instead of acting sad, acts extremely angry. This woman is most likely utilizing which of the following defense mechanisms? If you said substitution, you are absolutely correct. So what is substitution? And that's what we have to ask ourselves. When a person replaces one feeling or emotion for another. Look what it says, the key words. It says she she is very sad, but instead of acting sad, she acts extremely angry. So she's not in denial. So when you think of reaction formation, that's replacing replacing of some pain for a negative event with the complete opposite. So it's substitution. She literally substituted one emotion for another. All right. All right. Question three. And if you can, you guys write this down. So that way you're able to like look at it. I know for me, I had to look at the questions or read, you know, play this slow, whatever you need to do. But I really need you guys to um, get this because for me, this was, I promise you, passing that exam literally was the catalyst that helped me to really expand and elevate in this field. I had to pass the test, literally. My position, it was, I had a position waiting on me as a clinical director, and I could not be the clinical director if I didn't pass this test. So that's how important this test was for me. 
Question number three, the part of the personality that allows individuals to identify and weigh the consequences of behavior before acting. The part of the personality that allows individuals to identify and weigh the consequences of behavior before acting. The part of the personality that allows individuals to identify and weigh the consequences of behavior before acting. One, is it the id? Two, is it ego? Three, is it super ego? D, is it libido? The part of the personality that allows individuals to identify and weigh the consequences of behavior before acting is what? If you said ego, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely correct if you said ego. The part of the personality that allows individuals to identify and weigh the consequences of behavior before acting. The correct answer is ego. All right, this question number four. So we're just moving along. Question number four. According to Erickson. So wait, let me back up. So that particular question, you know how, so there's a part that we learn in school where they talk about the id, the ego, the super ego, and the libido. Remember that. And so you want to go back to that. It's um, basic concepts and in, in terminology. So um, you want to go back to that and see. All right. So question four. According to Erickson, if a child fails to develop skills allowing her or him to be autonomous, the child will most likely experience which of the following? According to Erickson, if a child fails to develop skills allowing her or him to be autonomous, the child will most likely experience which of the following? The correct answer is shame and doubt. Shame and doubt. So he, these are the options. The first one is mistrust. Now, let me go back. I apologize. Let me go back and read the question. According to Erickson, if a child fails to develop skills, allowing her or him to be autonomous, the child will most likely experience which one, which of the following? Mistrust, shame and doubt, inferiority, or dependence. All right. So the correct answer is shame and doubt. Shame and doubt. Okay, and this is the last one that I'm going to read over. It says, a child who understands her grandmother's death as permanent and recognizing and recognizes that her grandmother will not be coming back has reached which of the following stages according to Piaget. All right, I'm going to read it again. A child who understands her grandmother's death as permanent and recognizes that her grandmother will not be coming back has reached which of the following stages according to Piaget. Now listen, think about this. 
So that means you need to understand the stages that Piaget has taught us, right? The developmental stages. And so the options are pre-operational, concrete, operational, abstract, operational, or formal operation. Operational, I'm sorry. A child who understands her grandmother's death as permanent and recognizing that her grandmother will not be coming back has reached which of the following stages according to Piaget? The correct answer is concrete. Concrete. You understand that? And so, if you did not get that right, you need to understand, you need to literally review Piaget's four stages of cognitive development. Piaget's four stages of cognitive development, where he talks about the stages of birth to two years, and then he talks about the pre-operational stage, which is between the years two and seven years old. It says the child begins to use symbols. A symbol is a thing that represents something else. So, and then the concrete operational is the the ages of 7 to 11. And then the formal operational is 11 to 15 years old. And so, if you did not get that question right, you want to go back and just review Piaget's four stages of cognitive um, development. All right? So, on this episode, you guys, I shared with you five sample questions, five sample questions. And all of the questions except the last one had, no, actually three of the five questions had most likely. This woman is most likely utilizing which of the following defense mechanisms. This woman is most likely, you understand what I'm saying? So that's going to be in the question, most likely, which is first. And so you want to go back and just review the human development and um, behaviors. But before I end this, I just want to encourage you. If you are someone who's, you know, been in the field for a while and you've gotten discouraged because you were unable to pass the exam, maybe the first, second, third, fourth time. And you literally just said, you know what? I'm just going to do some other thing. I really want to encourage you. If you're not satisfied, you know, with what you're doing now and where you are, I promise you there's a huge need for social workers. When you think about, you know, um, the times that we're living in now, people are experiencing major depression. People are experiencing anxiety, you know, through the roof. You may even be in that number, but I want you to just be encouraged and know that you have what it takes in order to make it. And a lot of times we allow others in situations and circumstances to cause us to forget who we really are and what we set out to do. And so for those of you social workers out there who feel like you've made you know, a a bad decision, I guess, or a bad choice by coming in the field of social work. I want to encourage you, it's not a bad choice. You may be in bad soil. You literally may be in bad soil. Like the environment that you're in 
may not be conducive to your greatness, to building you and allowing you to grow and reach your full potential. And so I really want to encourage you to stay connected, reach out, however, you know, we can connect. If you're not in my local area, we can connect through, you know, social media, Zoom. I do um, free webinars. Um, Reach out to me, send me an email like some of you have. But at the end of the day, understand that there's greatness on the inside of you. And like any seed, if it's not planted in good soil, it will not grow. It will not grow. And so just because you may not see yourself growing, it doesn't really mean something is wrong with you as much as it could be that something is wrong with where you are. So be encouraged. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Share it. Leave a comment. Let me know what you would like for me to cover. But I'm here. I'm your girl, L.A., your six-figure social worker. And this podcast is designed to teach you how to make a living while you're making a difference. Be encouraged. Stay focused. And know that the best truly is yet to come. I'll talk to you next time.